Hey? Man, don't even need faith to say that. Right. I want to start off with a scripture. And uh, thank you, Gordy. I wanted to come down here amongst the people today. So uh, I like it down here. I want to start off with a scripture in Psalm 32, verse 8. Okay? And it says, This is God. I will show you and teach you in the way you should go. I will tell you what to do with my eyes upon you. Okay? And there's another version that says, My eyes that guide you. So I'm going to start off with that scripture. Father God, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is powerful. It's alive, Lord God. I thank you that one word from you can change a nation, Father God. Lord, I thank you, Father God, Lord, for today that your word has been anointed, Lord God, and appointed for this time. I thank you that you're wrapping it up and presenting it to individuals, that there's a word in this message for every single person here in season, Father God. And I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen. 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 Right, I've got the formalities out of the way. I want to start off with sharing a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Brownie. Uh, I was born at a very young age. Uh, <coughs> and, um, and I was born a very ugly baby. I pause there because I know we're in a room full of faith, but that's a lot to take in. A lot to take, but I was an ugly, ugly baby. Um, I had no hair. And I'm talking about not just, I had no eyebrows, no eyelashes, no nothing. I was like an alien baby. And um, you might say, well, how do you know you were ugly when you were first born? Because my mum told me. <laughs> and um, it's a story in our family. Um, Matt would share this quite often. Uh, where when I was born, my mum cried. <laughs> I was that ugly. <laughs> so my mum was crying and, um, and then... The lady in the bed next to her, because there's a, you know how they have the curtains down the middle, the lady in the next, she goes, what's wrong? Like, why are you crying? Why are you crying? And mum just threw a, a, a sea of tears. It's just like, my baby's so ugly. And this lady turns around and she starts crying, going, no, my baby's ugly. And so they, we have an ugly off. And um, there's a bit of a competition going on. And uh, I don't want to spoil the ending, but I won, okay? I won. Now, I, I use that story because it's all about perspective. I could have looked at that and said, man, I was, I'm an ugly baby. But I look back on that and go, man, A, I was a winner. Hey, <laughs> straight out the gate, firstborn, I'd won something. Who else has done that? I, I was a winner, but I was also an encourager. Because that other mother was so wrapped that there was an ugly baby, ugly, uglier baby than hers. It's all about perspective. You know, Jeremiah 1.5 says that God knows you before you're born. He knew I was going to be ugly. He knew I was going to have no eyelashes. He was fine with that. It's interesting, you know, because we as people, we label from the outside. Hey, we look at people from the outside and we label in the present with what we see there. God labels from the inside. God, God labels from the past, present, and future. That's a bigger snapshot than us. We see this snapshot and we see people and we label from the outside and we look at it at the present. Whereas God looks at it all over. He's, he's the beginning and the end. Eh? He knows all things. He looks at things differently from us. I'm going to give you an example. There's a prophet in the Bible called Samuel, really well known. And uh, he was selected by God to choose a new king. Okay? Because the, uh, the, the old king had been rejected by God. So Samuel's job was to go out and find a new king. And so in 1 Samuel 16, God says 
to Samuel, go and see this fellow Jesse. He's got eight sons. Go and find the anointed king, okay? So anyway, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, uh, 16, 6, sorry, 7, Samuel turns up and Jesse walks out, the dad, proud dad, walks out with his biggest, strapping, most meanest looking son, brings him out. Samuel says, surely, surely this is him. Surely this is the anointed one. And God says, nah. But God actually said, no, it's, it's actually not the one. I'm going I'm to find the exact scripture because it's, so here we go. So when they arrived, okay, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height. I'd like to throw in his weight as well, just for good measure. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Hey, God looks at the inside. You know, so Jesse rolls out seven sons, seven of the eight, and the whole seven get rejected by God. And Samuel's sitting there going, hang on, what's going on? God told me that one of these sons was going to be anointed as king. So he turns to Jesse and he says, hey, um, have you got any other sons? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we've got the youngest one. Where's he? Oh, he's out in the field looking after the sheep and the goat. Hadn't even brought him in to be looked at. Dismissed him as it surely can't be him. Anyway, they said, look, bring him to me. So they went and got him and they bring it in. And in 1 Samuel 16, 11 to 12, said, are these all your sons? He says, no, nah, there's one more. We'll go get him. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Ooh. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. Now, in man's perspective, they didn't even, they didn't even let, Jesse come, uh, let David come and have a look. They, they dismissed him and went, no, nah, he's just, he's the youngest. It surely can't be him. You know, the message there is we can be overlooked by people, but if we're called by God, God will make room for you. God makes room for his gift. He makes room for his people. You know, just because people overlook you, don't be, realize you're not overlooked by God. You're, you're the most important thing on God's mind at the moment. See, God's perspective is really different. It's really, and so it should be. You know, Isaiah 55, see, 9 says, God's way, uh, ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. So wouldn't it make sense that I need my thoughts to line up with God, not God's to line up with me? You know? And this is the thing about it. God's looking at it from high. The, the title of my message is called God's Eye View. God sees things so differently from us. Sometimes we're stuck in the middle of all the rubbish. God wants to lift us up by his grace above it all so that we can see differently. You see different when you're under pressure. You see different when you're in fear. You see different when you're in doubt. God doesn't want us to be seen from that perspective. Isaiah 46.10, I'm rattling them out today. It says that, that he's the beginning and the end. That he knows the end from the beginning. So I'm looking at that and going, God's ways are higher than my ways, so he's way higher. He's way wider because he knows the, the end from the beginning. God knows all things. And God is always working, man. God is always working even when we can't see it. You know, how many times have you look back on things and go, oh man, that was God. Oh, I think God did that. You know, oh wow. And it's so easier in hindsight to look at things. But God wants us to see things that are happening now. God is always on the move. God is always doing something. 
He did something last month that's happening now. He's doing something now that's going to happen next month. He's, going to, he's always, he's perpetual. He's perpetual, just never-ending, ongoing. That's all he does. In Isaiah 43, 19, it says, Behold. I really love this word, behold. Behold. So it's just about, you know, when you're going to say something. Now, I looked up behold for you, and it says, to see and observe. To see and observe, but to see and observe something amazing. You know, like if I went, oh, you know, I'll see that glass of water. See that glass of water, you know, like let's just see it. But if I went, behold, that glass of water, you would expect something amazing out of that glass of water, wouldn't you? Behold. And that's the thing that God does. God says behold because he wants to amaze us. Very hard to be amazed these days because we're so clever. Hey, it's really hard to be amazed. I mean, and even simple things, simple things. You know, like I was saying earlier, how, how many times have you heard someone, oh, she had a baby. She had a baby yesterday. Let's break that down. She created human life in herself and reproduced it. That is amazing. But to us, it's, oh, having a baby. I can tell you right now, you get in that delivery room, man, and you will be amazed. When I first saw my, the first child be born, it blew me away. Absolutely amazed me. But anyway... Behold, and this is what he says in the scripture. Behold, I'm about to do a new thing. Sounds good, eh? Something new, something fresh. I'm going to do something new. Then he turns around and says, actually, can, I've already begun. I've actually started something new, but can you see it? And then he turns around and says, for I will make a way in the wilderness, which is God will make a way in and God will make a way out. And God will make a way where there is no way. But God is all about it. God will make a way. So it may be that God's trying to make a way out for you. And it may be that God's trying to make a way in for you. It's up to us to perceive it. It's up to us to be able to see the view of God. Because God's not always that obvious. You know, that's something I've learned. God is not always that obvious. And it's up for us. You know? And so what, what, what God's saying there is, man, I'm always doing something. But it's up for us to catch up. See, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So my thoughts have to catch up. His ways are higher than my ways, so I have, my, my ways have to catch up. So that's why you're always going to be looking for what God's doing in our lives. You know, even when it looks bad. You know, like God is always working, and especially in the bad. God's especially working in the bad. We just can't see him. It's hard to see God in the bad sometimes. So what are you doing here, God? God is always working on our behalf. He's always doing something good for us. You know, um, I like the scripture here, Genesis 50, verse 20. You know? And it says, what was meant, there's a paraphrase of it, but what was meant for our harm, God will turn around for his glory. So not only can God work during the bad, God can get the bad and make good of it. God can take something bad and actually make something good of it. I mean, that scripture there is relating to Joseph. Now, I don't know if everyone knows the story of Joseph, a pretty amazing guy, and he was called to be a leader. But his brothers got really jealous of him because he, I, 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 th I don't know, maybe he didn't use wisdom, but, but his brothers got really jealous of him. Now, you imagine this. His brothers got so jealous of him that they plotted against him. They threw him in a pit. Threw him in a pit, and then they sold him into slavery. You know, for nothing. Then Joseph gets accused of doing something that he didn't do, a crime, and he gets put in prison. You know? But here's the thing about it. He then ends up 
been known by the king, and long story short, he makes his way to the palace. The, the point I'm trying to make there is he would never have got to the palace without being thrown in the pit. He would never have got to the palace without being falsely accused. He would never have got to the palace without being thrown in prison. Now those things in context, in individual context, may seem a bad thing, but in the grand scheme, God knew the beginning from the end. God had it all sorted out all along. God knew what he was doing, and all Joseph had to do was trust him, that no matter what he went through, God was in it. God was in it. You know, I've got an example of my own life, you know. Um, When I was young, I really lost my way. You know, I lost my way terribly, not just as, oh, I don't know what to do with myself. I lost my way as a man, as a, in life and everything, I, I, you know, and I ended up just going downhill. And eventually I ended up in prison. And um, not with Joseph, different prison. Um, but I say that, man, I've got, I don't say that with any pride, man. I say that with no pride, but I don't say it with any shame either. I'm not ashamed, I'm redeemed, man. I'm redeemed not by my own strength or anything that I did or that I deserve it, but that God loved me in spite of me not even knowing him. You know, um, it was, yeah, God was too good to me, you know. And so that's what I said. Oh, it was redeemed by his grace, man. I didn't deserve it. I honestly did not deserve it. But anyway, this is in 1989, 1990, 91, and um, I was up at um, University, we used to call it from Upper Hutt, yeah, you graduate from college, you go to Rimataki University, um, um, but yeah, so I ended up going up to Rimataka, and uh, while I was in there, okay, now you got to remember, I'm down and out, I'm, I, I was heavily on drugs, I was an extremely angry man, um, my eyebrows had grown in by then, which was a good thing, um, but I remember I was in prison, and they said, Brown, you've got a visitor, oh, visitor, you know? thinking, oh, cool. So I get into the visiting room, and there's a young lady there that I knew, and um, there was a young lady there that I didn't know. And I remember looking, thinking to my friend, why would you bring a stranger to a prison visit? I mean, you're not putting your best foot forward. I don't, I don't care how good your uniform is, you know, you're not looking good. So anyway, these two people come in, and they sit down, and uh, I sit down, it's talking away. Now, all this person said to me through the whole visit was, um, when I first sat down, I said, oh, hey, how are you, to the person I knew. And then I sort of went, hey, who are you? <laughs> you know, this way. And they went, oh, hey, I'm, and gave their name. And that was it. Kept their head down here across there. And then we just kept talking. Through that whole visit, man, I just kept, I was, I was seething. <laughs> I was like, why would you bring a stranger up? Like, this is embarrassing. This is awkward. Like it's, the conversation was even hard, you know? And I'm sitting there going, why would this happen? Because in my limited understanding of the present, I saw no reason for it, you know? Well, anyway, I got out of prison a little while after, and I went around to a barbecue, and this lady was there. And I remember I saw her, and I went, oh, hey, remember me? You know, through the bars, and... And, and she goes, and she has a little voice, she laughs, we go, yeah, 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 anyway, we start chatting anyway. Long story short, long story short, you know, uh, you know, after that, I got to know her quite well, and then I, we, we separated for a while, I went off my way, I went another way, and then I came over here, God had done a lot of work in me, I had an amazing mentor um, who, who shared the love of God, you know, like, 
Anyone here being loved into the kingdom? Man, like, I know Rich, hey, yeah, loved into the kingdom. Man, couldn't deny the love. You know what I mean? And this man loved me and, and at my worst. And I think that was a glimpse of, of God revealing Jesus to me. You know, that unconditional love. Well, anyway, um, you know, long story short, that, that woman that I talked about in 1990, I've been, you know, been married with her for 26 years now. You know, uh, we've got five kids, we've got six grandkids, you know, and I look at that and go, back then I had no idea that God was, was sorting out the woman of God for me. God was already, way back then when I was worried about, I was bummed that they weren't, didn't bring me up any drugs, if I'm honest, you know what I mean, for the visit. Well, I'm worried about that. God was worried about a wife for me. While I was worried about that, God was setting up a woman for me, a family you know, God was doing all that for me before I even acknowledged him, before I even knew him, before I even had shown him at the, the, the time of day. And God was going before me, straightening out Crooked Pass, because he knew, even when I was a drug-addicted prisoner, he looked at me and went, you're a chosen man of God. And he looked through the cross, and he saw me up here, preaching the word, loving on God, praising his name, even way back then. Almost 30 years ago, and God was already planning things for me for today. You know? He planned. He, planned, he, he goes ahead of us. He, he knows the beginning from the end. He, his ways are so high. And that's the, that's the thing for us. We've just got to trust God. You know? For me, that showed how much God loved me and cared about me. That even when I was at my worst, He had me on His mind. And He had His grace and His love working towards me. You know, if someone had said to me back then, hey, behold, God's doing a new thing, I would have been like, yeah, putting me in prison. But God was doing something else. I would not have met my, may not have met my wife if I hadn't gone through that way. May not be here in the centre if I, all those things hadn't happened. So sometimes the bad, you've got to look for where God is because God works especially in the bad. And he's doing something all the time, continually working on our behalf. Continually. Yeah. You know, it's um, how we see a situation. You know, like, I, I didn't see that situation. When my wife came and visited me back then, I didn't go, oh, hey, there's my wife. I wasn't looking for a girlfriend. I was more worried about being one. I was in prison. I was on guard. I was on guard, mate, eh? I'll tell you what, I look pretty good in that uniform. Bev said to me, she goes, oh, um, woman, love a man in uniform. Not a prison one. <laughs> I'll tell you now. But here's the deal. God had me. God had me. You know, back then, I wasn't looking at that. I wasn't looking at, this is my wife. But God was. God was putting things together. See, how we see a situation is really important. And I think especially these days. There's so much uncertainty in this world. There's so much mistrust in this world. There's so much fear and frustration. I mean, am I, am I missing any? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, you can just feel it. You can just feel it everywhere, you know? And um, if I'm honest, there's a lot going on, you know? There's a lot going on. The world has changed so much, even in the last five years. Even the last 10 years, it's changed. You know, it's gone crazy. I mean, look, um, when you start hearing, and I've said this a couple of times, we live in interesting times. And I can tell you, when, when the news starts sounding like Scripture, that's when you know you're in different times. Sometimes when they read the news out, it's almost like it's coming out of the Bible. You know, it's, a, it's, it's out the gate, what's happening, and, and the world has no answer for it. You know, Matthew 24, 6, it says, you'll hear of wars 
and rumours of wars, eh? And we hear wars all the time, Ukraine, Russia at the moment. Do you know that there's 15 current wars and conflicts going on at any one time in the world? A lot of wars and rumours of wars going on. You know, who would have known that you'd be watching the war on TV or on social media? You know, like you, we're watching the war play out on TV. It's out of it. The next part of the scripture is that God says, see, this is one thing I love about God. He doesn't just bring up the bad. So, oh, there's wars and heaps of rumors of wars. He gives you a solution. He turns around and says, see that you are not troubled. See that you are not troubled because all these things have to come to pass. Man, finding no trouble when, you know, when there's wars going on and there's all sorts of other stuff going on, you aren't going to find that peace in the world. You're going to find that in God. There's a peace of God that surpasses all understanding that could guard our heart and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace that surpasses understanding is that peace when you sh- in, in every right you shouldn't have peace. Every right, everything going around you is crazy, but God can give you a peace in the middle of the turmoil. He can do that for you. And we need it even more. I mean, we've got COVID. Hey, COVID happening. Um, I was saying before, I don't know what's up with the animals. You know, like, I don't know, I don't know, COVID, but they said it was from bats or they said it from everywhere, you know, and then we've had swine flu, bird flu, mad cow, monkey pox, animals, mate. It's like it's Farmageddon. <laughs> but it, it, it does show, it does show where we are as a, as a, as a, as a people, man. You know, I don't want to get doomsday on this, but four, four horsemen of apocalypse, What's the first one? Pestilence. Then famine, and war, and then death. You know, and you can start to see in the world, man, that things are going wrong in the world, and they have no answer. God has answers. You know, God, God has answers, and, and, and that's the thing. We can't find answers in the world, and we can't be fulfilled, <clears throat> excuse me, by the world. I've got this scripture here, which is um, Psalm 91. It's an oldie, but a goodie. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You know, there's God saying that he's got things under control. That's him saying that he can protect us. You know, and it's, it's really important that we get this perception um, that we're able to see differently, eh? You know, because things aren't always as they seem in the physical. We've got to be able to see things spiritually. You know, Isaiah 64, 4 says, No eye has seen, no ears perceive what God has in store for them. Was it surely? Oh, no, that's the last one. Yeah. So, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. So it's really important because, I, and I'll tell you why, because how we see a situation will determine our response to a situation. And I believe that God is looking for radical responders. This is a time where we need to be radically responsible. And I'm not saying crazy and go nuts. I'm saying say what God wants to say, when he wants us to say it, how he wants us to say it, to who he wants us to say it to. You know, some boldness about us, but with some wisdom as well. Because eh? here's, the, here's the response that I believe God wants. God wants a, a response of faith, but he also wants a response of wisdom. You know, because we can't ignore information. We can't just ignore facts in that. So he wants us to have that balance, you know. We need to get God's view. You know, your source of truth can't be the news in Google. You know, your fact-checking can't be Wikipedia and Facebook, 
You know what I mean? Like, it has to be something with a little bit more substance. Because I can tell you right now, everyone's got an opinion and everyone's happy to share it. You know, and that's one thing I love about the Word of God is the Word of God doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever, amen. You know, it, is, it does not alter. You know, and we need to be, we need to be checking the world. Romans 12.2, love this scripture, man. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Hey, squeezed into a mold or, or squeezed into the way of the world. But be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, there's God again. He points out the problem. Don't be conformed. He points out what you need to do. Transform. And he points out how we do it. And even at the end, he says why. So that we know the acceptable will of God. Something that God's been going to me is I need to see things clearer for him because if I'm going to react and respond radically, you know, then I need to make sure I'm seeing things right. But I love that scripture, renewing of the mind. You know what that's saying there, being transformed by the renewing of your mind is seeing things differently, thinking things differently. My thinking and how I see life has changed so much from when I talked about back then to now. It's about seeing God. It's about seeing where God is in things, even in the bad. <coughs> yeah. You know, we live in a world where it is trying to mould you and squeeze you and put pressure on and fear and, and everything, and it just tries to, to dominate into, its, into the way the world. The problem is the world's lost its way. Like, seriously, the world has lost its way. Um, you know, in John 14, 6, it says that, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, I look at that and I go, the way. He's an example. Jesus' example. And we were all fortunate. I remember first joining this church, man, uh, in the mid-90s. And I remember just being able to see awesome men of God that, I could, that were exampling to me, that were living, that were real, that I could go, oh, wow, he's a man of God. You know, and it's, it's not just Jesus. You know, it's us as well. So it says we are the way, so example, it says he's the truth. He's actually truth itself. He's not just true. He's actually truth itself. And then when he talks about life, it's because he is the author and creator of life. And he is constantly trying to reveal himself. I'm almost finished here. Um, Amy, can I have the, the band up? Oh, there you are there. You can have the band up for a second, please? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the title of my message was God's Eye View. And, you know, the thing about it is God's looking, looking he's looking at us, eh? he's watching over us. And he's, he's got so much good in store for us. You know, there's a scripture, where is it? There's a scripture in 2 Chronicles that talks about... Um, uh, uh, God's love for us. You see, I look at it and go, there's a lost and dying world out there, eh? And sometimes it's hard. You know, I would, look, I would ask God sometimes, man, how do you love a lost and dying world when they can be so horrible to you and, you know, and things can, people can be so mean to you? And, you know, and, and God revealed to me, he said, the same way I loved you, you know, when you were like that, he said, I see past your humanity. Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, God loved us. You know, God loved me as much back then when I was in prison as he loves me now. Hard, hard to fathom, but he loved me as much then as he does now. 
See, God sees us differently. When God looks at us, he looks at us through the cross. He looks at us through the redemptive power and the grace of God that was made available because Jesus sacrificed himself for us. Yeah, man. And these are the things. I, I now look at what God says about me. Will's got heaps to say about me. Hey, you, 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 you probably find it written on uh, toilet walls and upper huts somewhere. But there's lots to say, you know. But I look at what God says about me. And what God says about me trumps even what I think about me. Because sometimes we can be our own worst critic, man. Trust me. I can be putting this message together and, and, and the enemy will be telling me, that's rubbish. Mate, that, pff, why are you saying that? 